<clears throat> I've actually been working on this segment of scripture for weeks now. And there were a couple things that really came to mind as we started, or as I started to prep for this week's study, for this message. The first thing I did is, what do you think? We do a men's Bible study. And so I reached out to the men and we had a discussion on Monday night about what I should preach about. And there were a lot of suggestions out there. Now, don't shoot the messenger, okay? But some of the suggestions were things like uh, Brad, Genesis 3, forbidden fruit. Just, you know. Um, and for those that might be listening that aren't here, I am very sarcastic. So just bear with me on that. Um, the other one was Revelation 8.1. said it was quiet in heaven for about an hour and a half. I'm sorry, about half an hour. And there was a question whether or not women were around, why it was questioned, why it was quiet. How about Ephesians 5.22? I think all men probably know this one. Ephesians 5.22 says, wives, submit to your husbands. Right? Okay, sarcasm aside. The other thing that made me think of this week is I went to a friend's funeral. And I apologize, my voice may not hold out. I don't know. Um, it's been a real weird struggle this week. I think um, everything going on from, from uh, different doctor's visits and, and just things in life, uh, some of the different trials of the world right now, they're really testing my voice lately. So one of the, <clears throat> I went to a friend's funeral last weekend, and at his funeral they did a viewing. I'm not big on viewings, but I know for some folks they're a big deal. And so, as everyone's going up and, and they're doing the viewing, it occurs to me that what's that legacy that each and every one of us want to leave behind? What are those things that we want to instill in our families, in our friends, in our kids? And it, it led me to something that I heard recently. And there were three guys, they went to a friend's funeral, and they were talking about what what they would like to hear somebody say over their casket. And one of them said, hey, I'd like him to say he was a great guy, he was always giving. Another one said, you know, I just loved him with everything that I had, he was, he was a great dad, all those things. The other one said, look, he's moving. <laughs> what would you like to have said at your funeral? For me, I just wanna, I, I wanna be that guy that People know that I loved the Lord. I'm just, I've said it before when I've had an opportunity to preach. I'm, I'm not a preacher. I'm not. I'm just a guy who loves God. I'm a guy who loves Jesus. Brad gave his disclaimer last week and said he was a teacher. And so he was going to teach. Well, my disclaimer is, I'm just a guy who loves the Lord. I'm no different than anyone else. I'm just a beggar trying to show others where there's bread. And that is my that's, that's my heart. That is it. It's really, really that simple. So when, when I was prepping, uh, I started going through a, a couple of different stories. And I, as I was trying to think of a good story for, forgive me if this seems a little short. Um, I was trying to, to prep for things that I thought would be a good story for this week. And I arrived somewhere where I really didn't think I would arrive. And it's in Genesis chapter 21. And we're going to start in verse 8. <clears throat> and for those of you who don't know, this is the story of 
Well, Genesis in general, right? Creation of man and a, a huge majority of Genesis, a huge section of Genesis in the beginning there after the creation goes into uh, Abraham. And, you know, Abraham and Sarah or Sarai and Abram, they were promised a son. And when they were promised that son, they didn't think God was moving fast enough. So they decided to take things into their own hands and there was, a, there was Sarah, Sarai's idea that, hey, I've got a servant named Hagar, and you should conceive a child, a son, with Hagar. And then that son could be, God could bless that, right? But that's not what God intended. And so what does he do? He says, no, that's not going to work. And then we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 21, verse 8. And this is after, um, after Isaac is born. And uh, Ishmael, which is the son that was, was uh, the product of Abraham and Hagar's rela- relationship. Um, Ishmael is about uh, 16, 17 years old, so he's probably, he's a teenager. And then uh, Isaac is being weaned, and we're going to pick up the story there. So Genesis chapter 21, verse 8. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on that day, and Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son, son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, Cast out this, this slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not be the heir with my son Isaac. <clears throat> and all, and, and the things... And the things was very, was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says, do it as she tells you. Key note, right? Listen. Though I, for, I, for though Isaac shall be your offspring, be named. Uh, I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also. Because of your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread and skin, of, skin for water, and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered into the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water of the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite a good ways off, about a distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of my child. As she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy, and and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold fast with your hand, and I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and saw, the well, saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin of water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with a bow. He lived in the wilderness of Param, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of the Egyptian, of Egypt. And so what really struck me on this is, as you're looking at the story of Hagar, 
I think we could all agree that Hagar and Abraham and, and Sarah made some bad decisions. And unfortunately, those bad decisions led to the birth of a son. But what was really crazy in this is that you see God sparing them in the wilderness. And you see her crying out to God for her son and crying out to God for herself. So I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to break it down just a little bit more. So we've already talked about that Isaac was probably about three years old and that um, Ishmael was probably in his teens. How many of you have dealt with rebellious teenagers? Oh, yeah. I think anyone who has teenagers, it's just a natural occurrence, right? But as you're dealing with those rebellious teenagers, do you still pray for them? Do you still care for them? Do you still take care of them? Even when you know they're making foolish decisions. And I think that is a care that a mother has. I think dads are unique, right? Dads will do one of those things. Hey, son, the stove is hot. Moms will put barriers up. They'll make sure they can't get to them. Dads are like, it's hot, don't touch it. When the son touches it, what do they say? I told you not to touch it. I bet you won't do that again. But the moms will still try to protect them, try to take care of them. And so here you see, it's really interesting to me that in verse... Um, in verse 10, 9 and 10, you see Sarah protecting her son. She sees her son, pardon me, she sees her son being picked on by an older teenage boy and she takes action to protect him. She separates him and does something pretty harsh, right? How many of you have ever been asked to leave a party? Or I, I've not, believe it or not. I know some might not believe that, right? But how many of you have been just kicked out on the street? You have nowhere to turn. You have no one to turn to. It's you and your son. You don't have a husband to lean on. You don't have family to lean on. It's just the two of you. I, I cannot imagine. I can sympathize with it. I have empathy for it. But I can't imagine what that feels like to be just booted out. She goes from not having to worry about where her next meal comes from, not having to worry about where the water comes from. You know, you can live without food, most of us. I'm going to take myself. You can live without food for a week. No big deal. You're not going to be happy. But how long can you live without water? Most people, not even a day. And here they are in the desert, in the wilderness. They have no water. They have one goat skin. And, and that's put together by Abraham which is another, another conflict, right? So if Abraham raised this young man, he raised him to be his own son. And in raising him to be his own son, he of course looked after him. He took care of him. I have no doubt that he learned some of the ways uh, of, of the Torah and some, well, the Torah didn't exist then, but some of the ways of God and, and some of those leadings that Abraham was teaching him. So there was a connection between Abraham and there was a connection between um, the boy, between Ishmael. After they were kicked out, they were left with just that bread and that skin of water. How many of you, I grew up in the desert in Phoenix. So in the desert in Phoenix, when you know, it's 150 degrees outside, even shade underneath a tree doesn't do much of any good. It's a little bit of relief, but it's not very much. And here's what they do, is they find 
she puts the child under one of those bushes. Not under a tree, but under a bush. So you're low to the ground. You're crawling around in the dirt. And what was crazy through this whole thing is what did she do? She called out to God. Her son called out to God. God could have abandoned her, could have left her out there, could have done any number of things, but instead he chose to provide for her. He chose to open her eyes and show her where that water was. As we were singing the songs today, I started thinking about being abandoned and whether or not you have ever felt abandoned by anyone, but just that feeling of abandonment. That feeling when Jesus was on the cross, how he felt the sins of each and every one of us, how he felt that heavy weight, and basically he felt abandoned. God the Father on a cross felt abandoned, which is more than I can fathom. And not to compare Sarah and and Jesus, but that feeling of abandonment. And I'm grateful that we have a God that doesn't abandon us. Whether we're choosing to follow his precepts, whether we're making stupid decisions, whether we choose to do things that are less than what he wants for us, less than what he expects out of us. But what do we see in, in 17 and 18? An angel of God, which an angel of God in the Old Testament is Jesus. You see an angel of God, you see Jesus call out to Hagar from heaven and said, what are you troubled about, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Brings me back to another story I was thinking about this week, and that story is out of Mark chapter 4. You don't need to turn there. But in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, the disciples are crossing the sea. And the disciples are in the boat, and Jesus is in, in the boat with them. And Jesus falls asleep. The seas rise up, and they start to toss and turn the boat. The disciples are worried they're going to drown. And then you see Jesus kind of going, he, he tells the water to be still. And the next thing he tells the water to be still is, hey, if I'm going to take care of you, you've got to trust me. You've got to have faith that I am going to deliver you through this. And that's what he challenges the disciples with, is trust me to deliver you. Trust me to take care of you. And so you see an example of that where Hagar and Ishmael are trusting God. Not because they don't, I I think they know who God is, but they're trusting God because they cry out to him and he answers those prayers. The other thing that, that is really striking to me is when you're in that place where you have nothing else to turn to, and that's back to the memory verse, which is Psalm 27, 7. <clears throat> and the reason why I arrived at this verse, although it's not in the text that we're talking about, it's that cry of your heart. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and be gracious to me and answer me. That passionate cry out to God. When you're in that dark place, when you're feeling isolated, when you're feeling cast out, when you're not, when you don't have that connection with other people, is that what you're doing? Because that's the example of what we see here. Is we, call, we see an example of 
crying out to God. What, one of the things that also I, I was reflecting on is how many people, present company excluded, how many people choose to not come to church because of their sin? They choose to not reach out to God. They choose to not just ask Him for guidance, for provision. To ask Him to answer those prayers, to take care of your kids, to take care of you. And I think that's the, that's the coolest thing about moms. I have yet to meet a mom who doesn't care for their children or child. We have, we have a friend of ours right now who's seeking an adoption. And as they're seeking an adoption, they were talking about the mom of that child. And that mom knows that they're in a bad spot. That mom knows that they are not the best person to raise that little child. And that mom is willfully giving up her child so that that child can have a better life, can know who God is, can have, have things like a loving, secure home. And I'm sure that's not easy for that mom. I'm sure there's going to be lots of things that are going to happen through that child's life that's going to challenge them. Things of, of everything from abandonment. Did my mom leave me? Did my family really care about me? But what I know about that family, about those two people that are trying to adopt that child, is they are going to teach them that God never forsakes them. Never, ever, ever will God forsake you. God might let you live in your sin for a while, but he cares about you. And sin, as my wife will say, sin will always get found out. Because I guarantee you, God knows about it whether you think you're hiding it from him or not. But that love of a mom protecting her son, protecting them, trying to provide for them, trying to give them water, trying to help lead them in a way that seeks after you. Because whether you, you could make an argument that, that Hagar didn't believe in God, but I believe that she did. This is an example that she did. What happens after this is a whole nother long story. We could, we could spend weeks on that part of it. But the part I wanted to focus on is a mom protecting her child. And there's two really strong examples with Sarah and Isaac and then with Ishmael and, and uh, Hagar. And I think those are incredible stories. Incredible stories to celebrate what a mom is. Incredible stories to look at what God's provision is. So with that... What I would like to do, if anyone is open to it, if you want it, um, this altar is open. Uh, if you want prayer, you can even raise your hand where you're sitting. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter. I can, I can pull a couple guys from the audience and we can pray for you as moms. Or we can pray for your family. Because I think that's one of those things that we see here. Is we see a mom who loves her children, cries out to God, and we see a son who knows God and cries out to him. I have a family member recently that was praying about something. And without getting too much into the details, literally cried out to God. And God answered that prayer. And I think that's what God wants from us. He wants us to humble ourselves and he wants us to say, okay, God, I don't have control of this. There's nothing I can do about this, but we know that you can do it, God. 
So as we come to a close today, what I would like to do is if anyone wants to pray, come forward. You can, you can kneel at the altar if you want. I think a lot of times in church, we don't talk enough about kneeling. We don't talk enough about prayer. We stand up and we say prayers. And, you know, some people are really eloquent with words. Sometimes. But I think it's the heart that God looks at. He doesn't look at the words you use. He doesn't even care the words you use. What he looks is at that heart. How humble you are. Whether or not you're coming to him genuinely and earnestly. So with that, um, Delaney, if you could do just a little bit of music for me. Thank you. If you want to pray, you can pray right where you're at. If you want somebody to pray for you, you can come forward. You can raise your hand and we'll come to you. I think that's what's beautiful about a small church is we can do these kind of things. We can, we can talk about God. We can get involved in your life. You can get involved in ours. And we can pray for one another. That is a huge blessing. So with that, this altar's open. If you want prayer, come on up. Kim, Brad, Mike, get somebody. good my prayer for each and every one of you this week is that you find an opportunity to cry out to God that you find an opportunity to share your heart with him that you find an opportunity you take an opportunity to seek his will for you and with that let's go ahead and close in prayer in our, in our last song of the, of the morning Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, you are a gracious God. You are someone that we can turn to, that we can bear our souls to, Lord. Father God, we are so grateful for your provision, for your guiding hand in our lives. Father God, we're grateful that you, you're that God who will open our eyes and show us where the water is, Lord. You're that God who will take care of us. Even when we're cast out, we're alone. That you are a friend. And we want to be your friend, Lord. I pray for each person here that they will take that opportunity with you this next week. I pray for our pastor as they come back next week. And his wife. For traveling, safety, and, and Lord, just that precious time for him to be with his mom on a Mother's Day. What a gift, Lord. Father God, I praise you and I thank you for each mom that can hear uh, these words. And Lord, just let them know, Lord, that they are precious in your sight. That they are a gift that each one of us got that you provided for us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.